We're going to be reading out of Luke 6, verses 1 through 11. It's usually up on the screens as well. And then Matt's going to pray. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word, that it has power in it, Lord God, to change us, to convict us, to show us uh, more clearly who you are. Uh, We pray that you would use your word this morning as it's spoken through Pastor Matt. Uh, give us open hearts and open ears. Let us, let us be good listeners this morning, Lord, that your word would bear fruit in our lives uh, and that we would uh, be a better service to you because of what we hear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. It's nice to see that not everybody left town for Labor Day weekend. It's good to see you all here. Um, if we have not met yet, and this is your first Sunday, I want to invite you to introduce yourself to me after this service. I'd love to get to know you, and it's our desire that you feel welcome here, and that you feel like you're part of the family, all right? Um, to bring you up to speed, uh, we've been going through a series called The Habits of Grace. It's a series that Pastor Brock has uh, put together, and months ago, uh, he assigned this particular Uh, topic, this particular habit of grace to me for me to preach uh, this Sunday called Experiencing Christ Through Sabbath Rest. Now, nobody knew that that leading up to this, that that I would feel the weight of of so many uh, difficult things going on in the lives of so many people who are close to me. I mean, there's been some really heavy things that I won't get into now, people that I know about and care about who are going through um, situations that they're gonna, it's just going to change the rest of their life forever, and they will grieve for the rest of their life because of the changes that are going on in their life. Um, and it seemed like over the last couple of weeks, I've just heard about one Story after another story after another story after another story, and the load just got heavier and heavier and heavier. And of course, I've got my own issues that I have to deal with on top of all of that, and I'm supposed to preach 
experiencing Christ through Sabbath rest. Now, if, if you're young, this is something I didn't know when I was young, so I'm going to let you in on a secret. It doesn't stop. Be encouraged. <laughs> life is really difficult, and your life will be filled with suffering. I'm not going to tell you that it's not. That would be a lie. That would be a disservice to you. Nobody gets a pass on suffering. Everybody suffers, either for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, or in the right way or the wrong way. Nobody gets a free pass on suffering. Some seasons are more difficult than others, but it won't stop. So you need to be ready for that. You need, you need to be able to process that, which, you know what? I didn't know that when I was a kid. I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. A lot of things the hard way. And it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, you're going to suffer. When I was kid, a kid, even a little kid, I still remember stressing out about getting in trouble because trouble was bad. Or when I was in high school, I was stressing out about you know, being respected or whatever. Or I got older, I was stressing about who am I going to spend the rest of my life with. Or I got involved in ministry and I was stressing out over the success of the ministry. Whatever it is, there's always going to be something that's going to keep you awake at night. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. If some of you are grandparents and have great-grandchildren. You still worry about your kids, don't you? It doesn't stop. Sometimes it seems relentless. Do you ever feel like you could just put the world on pause for a second? Sometimes life is just a grind. Sometimes life can just get crazy. Do you remember those Staples commercials with the easy button? I could use one of those right now. We live in a broken world filled with troubled souls. And what we really need is deep healing rest no matter what is going on in our life, no matter how difficult it is. We stress about finances. We stress about our families. We stress about our friendships. We stress about our, our future. We want to know that we're going to be okay. And so what do you do when it piles up? It's fight or flight, right? When you fight, you fight for control, and it sucks the life out of you. And when you realize you can't control everything, you go with flight, and you try to numb yourself, with, uh, numb yourself from the frustration with escapism, and then that sucks the life out of you also. Either way, you're worn out. We need, desperately need, to experience Christ through Sabbath rest. Now, that doesn't sound very exciting, does it? But it's critical. Because even when we go on vacation, we need a vacation to recover from our vacation, don't we? We can't slow down like the RPMs of our inner life. So why do we find it so hard to really rest? Well, every culture has its own temptations. It's just as true today as it was, you know, throughout history. Specific temptations. In, in our day and age, you know, jobs are a lot harder to come by, and, and they can disappear like that, and so you're stressed. How am I going to provide for my family? The cost of living in San Diego is out of control, isn't it? Especially when it comes 
when it comes to a personal income. Most households around here have to get more than one job just to make ends meet. And we have technology that enables us to work anywhere, which can be a good thing, but then we work everywhere. But most significantly, in our day, in our culture, uh, we get our personal significance and identity through what we do. What is the first question usually you ask somebody that you just meet? It's, what do you do, right? It's not necessarily a bad question, but what is bad is when your identity gets wrapped up in what you do because it becomes impossible to really rest. And that's true no matter what you're doing. It's true of pastors, I'll tell you that right now. It seems like there's never been a more difficult or important time to rest. And so let me show you. First, if you're taking notes, using the handout in your bulletin, you need rest to refresh your body. Look at what we just read. It says in verse 1, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Now, this wasn't stealing, right? Like, like when you walk by the bins of dry goods that sprouts and snag a handful of chocolate-covered almonds on the sly, right? <laughs> Not that I would ever did that in my life. Jesus wasn't stealing here. This was allowed. The problem is that it was the Sabbath day, and, and reaping was one of the 39 works the rabbi said you could not do on the Sabbath day. And so verse 2, some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath day? Now, if somebody asked you this question, you're going through getting kernels, you're, you're eating, you're hungry, and somebody asked you, you know, they just called you out, how would you respond? I know me, and I would probably say something like, why don't you just chill out and stop being a legalistic religious nag? Mind your own business. Thank you very much. But Jesus doesn't say that. And he doesn't say, you know what? I came here to get rid of the Sabbath. He doesn't say that either. What's he say? Verse 5, Jesus says to them, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is what I am all about. The Sabbath is central, he is saying. He, Sabbath is central to who I am and what I came to do. He says, I am the Lord who gives you the rest that you really need and that you long for. So Jesus is not eliminating the Sabbath because as humans, we have a profound need for physical rest and our own personal idolatry, the things we grasp for to get our significance will grind us down and ruin us. So God gave us the gift of Sabbath rest. In Exodus 23, the Old Testament ceremonial law said, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work so that you may be refreshed. And the word refresh there literally means to catch your breath. You need rest to refresh your body. Now listen, here's what I know. I don't think it's just me. 
it's kind of like a cultural value. Our relationship with work is out of whack. And, and if you think that just taking a day off will lead you to real rest, you're fooling yourself. You need, the need for deep rest is so great, you cannot survive without it. But at the same time, it's difficult, isn't it? It doesn't come naturally or, or easily, and, and you can't just do it as an act, a simple act of applying a biblical principle. It's not enough. So why is it so difficult for us to really rest? to get the rest that we need. Why, why is it that the national statistic is that one out of every $8 is spent on leisure? But at the same time, we are all still such a restless people. I mean, we have countless opportunities and options of various ways you know, we could rest. Go to any hotel lobby, check out the rack of postcards, you see all the different things that you could do in San Diego if you're willing to max out your credit card and sell one of your kids. In San Diego, you can go to the beach, you can go to the mountains, you can go to Disneyland, you can go to Mexico, you can go to the desert, but we're still not restful. You need, God knows, you need Rest for your body, to refresh your body. Second, you need rest to realign your soul. To realign your soul. Something more than physical rest is needed. Something deeper. Look how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were, were hungry? What Jesus is doing here is telling them about an account in the Old Testament that they would have been familiar with that happened way back in 1 Samuel chapter 21. David and his men were hungry. And so David went to the priest and asked for food, but the only food the priest had was, was this consecrated bread in the tabernacle, and only priests were allowed to eat this bread. But the priest went ahead and gave David and his hungry men uh, bread, some of this bread, and God never, ever rebuked them or corrected them for setting aside this law. Why is that? Well, first I need to point out that you will never find God allowing a moral law to be set aside for any reason. You will never find God allowing a moral law to be set aside under any circumstances. But here, God allows David to set aside a ceremonial law. Moral laws last forever, but ceremonial law is a temporary law that will end when something happens that fulfills it and makes it obsolete. It, it can be set aside in special circumstances. And so Jesus is saying that the Sabbath law was temporary because it pointed to something greater. It was a physical event that points to a spiritual reality. It points to a deeper rest that you need. That physical, just physical rest alone can't provide. You need rest for your soul. I like this quote I've shared with you before by Judith Shulovitz. She wrote this. She says, when the Sabbath was still sacred, 
Not only did drudgery give way to festivities and family gatherings and occasional worship, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. Do you understand what she's saying there? You not only need rest from work, but you need rest for the work under the work. I'll explain what I mean. On the surface, we may be working at our job or working at other goals that we have, other desires, you know, trying to be the person that we think that we should be. But under that, we are working to prove to ourselves and other people that we're not losers. And it's this never-ending work under the work, this this machinery of of self-censorship, this self-condemnation, this eternal murmur of self-reproach, this striving for significance and completeness that just makes us weary. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you need a break from that? You can take a day off, take a week off, take a month off, still be weary of the endless work to try to prove to yourself or other people that you're not a loser, that you're significant. Physical rest is important, but it's not enough. We need deep stage four REM rest for your soul. Where do we get this rest? That leads to our third reason for rest. We need to rest to remember your Lord. Look at verse five again. Jesus said to them, the son of man, talking about himself, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now you need to understand what's going on when Jesus says this right here. When Jesus says this right here, he is dropping a bomb that would have shocked everybody. Jesus is saying, I am the one that the Sabbath points to. I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I am the one that gives you all deep rest. He says, I am the only one who shuts down the machinery of self-censorship. I am the only one who can quiet the eternal murmur of self-reproach. I am the only one that can end your endless striving. I am the Lord of the true rest that you need. So we need to answer a couple of questions here. And the first one is this. What is the rest that Jesus gives to you? Well, it's rest based on complete satisfaction with your work. Now, I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Genesis 2 says, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. When God finished his work of creation, he rested. Now, the question is, why did God rest? Was God like exhausted and wiped out and saying, man, I am so tired from making all of this stuff. I need to rest. No. Then why do you rest? 
because he was completely satisfied with his work. Every time God created something, he looked at it, and what did he say? It is good. Over and over again, he looked at what he created and said, it is good. And when he was done, he looked at it all again, and he said, it was very good. The only way to rest deeply is if you're completely satisfied with what you've done. And that right there is our problem. Right? You will never be, ever be satisfied with your work under the work. Your work of trying to prove your value, to try to prove your worth, is never done. Or is it? Let me tell you something. The rest that Jesus gives you is also a rest that it was received by faith in Jesus. Hebrews 4, check this out. Hebrews 4 says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Now, how did God rest from his work? He rested by being fully satisfied. And the writer of Hebrews here says that Christians, those of you who place your faith not in yourself, not in your own work, not in your own ability, but those of you who place your faith in Jesus Christ, you can experience deep rest because you can be fully satisfied. How, though? How does he give you this rest? Well, there's a clue in the text. After Jesus heals this man's hand, it says this, that the Pharisees were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. They wanted to take him out. Why? Because when he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus is claiming to be God. And so they're faced with a choice. Will they worship him or will they kill him? There's no third choice. Will they worship him or will they kill them? They killed him. We killed him. And here's what's so ironic here. It was on the cross that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. It was on the cross that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. On the cross, Jesus cried out, it is what? It is finished. It's not close. It's not we might get there. It's not I think it's finished. It is finished. It is done. What is finished? His work for your soul was finished on the cross. He lived a perfect life, and he lived that life for you and gives you credit for that. And then he died for, for all of our sin. And so when we trust in Jesus, when we say, you know what, I will not rest on my works but his, God accept me not for my work but yours, then, then God freely and graciously and gladly gives you credit for the perfect work of Jesus. That is amazing grace. 
his perfect work of obedience becomes yours. And so now God looks at you and he says, you are good. You are very good. Why? Because it is finished. When you hear the Father say that to you, and I pray to God that we all can hear that this morning. When you hear the Father say that to you, that you are good, very good because of Jesus, and you are now clothed in his righteousness, what happens is your inner machinery of self-reproach shuts down. When you hear your Heavenly Father tell you, and I pray that you do, when you hear Heavenly Father say, I'm completely satisfied with you, the eternal murmuring of self-censure is silenced. When you hear the Father say, you are my child whom I love, in you I am well pleased, then you will experience deep rest. That's what the Father says to you this morning. You are my child in whom I love, in you I am well pleased. Do you know this deep rest? If you know Jesus, you, you know this rest. If I can't rest deeply, it's simply because I'm not trusting Jesus. Or if I have trusted Jesus, then I still don't fully understand all that I have in him. This is why we all need to keep, you know, proclaiming the gospel to each other and reminding each other of who we are in Christ and, and, and the identity we have in him. We are God's child and whom he loves and whom he is pleased we forget that so easily. That's why we will never, ever, ever move beyond something that's supposedly deeper than the gospel. There's nothing deeper than the gospel. There's nothing more that we need than, than the gospel. And it seems too good to be true sometimes. But we're going to keep camping out on this. We can never move on to anything else. Now listen, we're about to take the Lord's Supper here. It's a time of rest. It's a time to practice resting in Christ. To rest from your work and to trust Jesus' work. It is a time for you to hear Jesus say to you, it is finished. It is finished. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me?